Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone. Welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Pastalka, And with me today, I am so excited because we got Jason Kruger from Signature Analytics going to be talking about creating financial clarity. Welcome, Jason. Thank you, Damon. Appreciate it. I'm really excited to talk today because, man, your depth of experience and the stuff that you guys are doing today, I'm I'm just excited to cover it and go and take a deep dive into how you're helping people. Some of the things you see, I mean, you guys have been in business quite a while at Signature and yep. uh, you had to have uncovered some real gems over the years. Oh yeah, we've we've seen some some good stuff. Um, many times we come in after the real fun stuff or or the scary stuff has already occurred, right? Yeah, um, we've come into situations where there's been significant fraud um, after the fact, um, and we've had to to work through those situations. Um, I, that's not ideal. We want to work with business owners, obviously, to make sure that they're on track and they're. So it can help with uh, educating them and becoming more sophisticated so they have clarity that, you know, ultimately it's to achieve their goals. Same thing you're doing. It's how to, what are their goals? And, and let's work with them to, to figure out how we can help them to achieve those goals. Yeah, good stuff. Well, Jason, let's talk about your background because you started out in public accounting. And I'd like to just kind of walk us through that and, <clears throat> and some of your experiences there and kind of how you got, yeah. where are the, the signature analytics idea came and then and then moved to there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I started my career in the late 90s in public accounting, as you mentioned, on the financial statement audit side. And so I felt that accounting would allow me to get into business, would allow me to see the foundation of what I called what I felt the foundation of business was. If you know the numbers, you know the business pretty well. Uh, at the time, I thought I'd get my CPA in two years and go conquer the world. And after two years, I realized I still didn't know much of anything. And so and I just continued to learn. Um, I started my career with a, a national firm called Moss Adams. They're a big firm uh, yep. nationally and regionally, especially I think in your neighborhood. Yes. And then um, I, uh, after a couple of years, I went to Deloitte, uh, Deloitte & Touche, which is one of the big four companies. Mm -hmm. I wanted a bigger SEC experience. I got that and then I realized I actually enjoyed the mid-market better. So I switched over to servicing mid-market companies. Um, spent almost 10 years in public accounting and uh, working with the small mid-market, um, even our clients at Deloitte, I could see that a lot of these companies were looking at accounting and finance as, as the necessary evil, right? I have to pay my bills. I have to invoice my clients and collect. Uh, I have to make sure I have enough pay, uh, cash in the bank to pay payroll. And oh yeah, I got to file my taxes once a year at the end of the year. And outside of that, that was their, that was kind of how they used accounting, right? And so mm -hmm. um, what I realized 
quickly is that there was a gap um, or that these companies were, they deserved better. Uh, they didn't have the, the they didn't have the, the right talent in place. They didn't, they couldn't afford the top talent. And in a lot of case times, they didn't actually need that top one person and that top talent to, to be, uh, they need that one person in that role. They, they only needed a, a part of that person or they needed multiple people in different roles. And so, uh, you know, leveraging my background back in 2008, decided to start Signature Analytics to, to work with the small and mid market to support their internal accounting arm and finance arm of their business uh, for a couple things. One, it's uh, business owners need peace of mind, right? They need to be able to go to sleep at night knowing that they have cash, they can meet their obligations of paying their bills and their invoices are going out. Um, so that's the peace of mind, making sure that the day-to-day -day activities is going effectively. Um, the second would be uh, visibility into the financials. As businesses grow, they start to have uh, conversations with third parties like yourself. They're bankers, investors, and the first thing they're going to ask for is financials. So we want them to our clients to look credible, and we also want to give them the visibility into their business so they can make decisions to achieve their goals. So that is a that's a 20-year uh, snapshot in about two minutes. I'm um, happy to go anywhere you want to go from there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to get into this a little bit more because, you know, what were some of the things that you learned in the public accounting that surprised you, that you, you got into it and you went, wow, I would have thought, and it was, yeah. or you went, wow, this is really cool. Yeah, no, it's interesting because I, um, I think, uh, Having ex being in public accounting gave me exposure to all different types of companies, size, industry, uh, different types of business owners, CEO, executives, teams, and the much larger companies, larger public companies, um, they are obviously much more sophisticated. They have all of their policies and procedures documented. They have uh, they hire individuals with significant experience who have been through the corporate structure. The small and mid-sized businesses, a lot of these businesses are being run by first-time entrepreneurs, first-time business owners. They don't have the resources uh, in place to invest in the corporate structure like these bigger companies do. And so, you know, from an outsider's perspective coming in initially, it was a little bit eye-opening to see how you know, really and realize and, and see this all the time now. And now it's just commonplace. It's a lot of times this is the wild west, right? It's, hey, we we have a great idea. We have a great business. And now let's go figure out how to grow it and, and make money. And and so there's also a lack of and you, you, I, we hear this all the time in our industry. There's a lack of talent in finance out in the marketplace right now. The, the, yeah. the volume of individuals that go into accounting is is decreasing every year uh, for a career. And so there's a real lack of talent and the, the companies in that small and mid market are the ones that are really suffering from that. Um, accounting, I can see why an 18 year old wouldn't think accounting is exciting. I didn't personally get into accounting to do accounting my entire career. I, I got into it to learn about business and to uh, see where it took me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true because, you know, the... The public companies, obviously, they 
you know, they have to meet expectations, give good projections. Otherwise it just ruins their credibility. Um, but you're right. And you think about some of the, over the last time since you started signature, how it's changed from much longer term established companies. to now you think a SaaS company, they could, they could get started. They could get a big round of funding and, and hit the ground yeah. really hard in 24 yeah. months. Right. And it is literally the wild west because they're hiring people so fast and money's coming yep. in and going out and multiple. It's just it's just crazy how yep. that's probably changed for you. Yeah, what we see too, a lot of companies that get that capital infusion, the first thing that depending on who's who's bringing in that capital, they'll want they may want to bring in, a, you know, or have a say in the management team. So they'll build yeah. a they'll bring in a very strong management team, but then there's nothing below them, right? They might have this high powered CFO. Uh, with a low-level bookkeeper below them, right? And yeah. so those are actually fun uh, individuals to work with because um, they're they're aligned as a management team as to where they want to go. They see value in our services, and mm -hmm. we can come in and really help them to build out that that function, build out that portion of their back office to help them, you know, really take business to the next level. Now. That we're going to get into that because I think that is one of the things that a lot of smaller business, you know, business, financial teams, ownership, leadership teams, whatever you want to say, really miss in 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 what they could get from financial information if they used it or or had it more available and quicker and all kinds of things. So we're going to get into that in a minute, but you you hit a couple things that we were, we were talking about now that we were talking about before. And you, you hit a couple points as we come into this in these wild west type situations, what are some of the telltale signs of problems when you go, we should, we should get, this is, Hey, this is getting, a, mm -hmm. this is getting above our pay grade or whatever, you know, yeah. or outside of our, our comfort our not of our comfort, but our abilities. Yeah. I'd say in the, in this, environment cat it's always cash right cash is king yeah if cash is inflowing like like no other uh that alleviate that covers a lot of issues right covers yeah. a lot of problems as soon as there's some seems to be some level of cash flow challenges and a lot of times they're, they're unexpected i've talked to a number of manufacturers and i know you have a lot of experience in manufacturing yeah right? talk to a number of manufacturers and they say hey Look at my look at my income statement. Look at my PL. Look how much money, look how much we're making. Why do I have no cash? Right. And I say, I say, well, there's there's one of two reasons. One, um, your financials aren't right. Or two, your cash is actually on the shelf over there in your warehouse. It's in its inventory, right? So so your cash is inventory. So so how are you managing your inventory? processes how do you know you know what's your overall process on buying inventory what's your sales cycle mm -hmm. look like you know manufacturing companies have it the have it the most difficult as far as man managing cash and that's why establishing a banking relationship is so critical in that in that industry as well and you also have uh collateral through your inventory to make it easier as well so i'd always say cash is is by far the most challenging and then the the business owners that start to to move beyond their 
where they're currently at and have to start providing their financials to third parties. And we talked about this, I think, before we jumped on too. It's, uh, you know, a company that says, hey, you know what, I need a, I need financing. I need to bring in an investor. I need to, um, you know, I need to uh, take advantage of this, even if it's this tax credit that might be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the first first question that they get asked is send me your financials. And if they send financials that, that don't make sense, then, you know, they're not going to get very far. And so that's the typically those are the initial signs that um that you know that they're they're ready or that they start to realize the value beyond that there's so much more beyond that though too because as businesses grow having the information in front of them is critical because margin in a business is everything right it could be your manufacturer or even a service provider and what you know if you ask a business owner Hey, you know, what's your margin? And say, well, it's actually pretty good. It's, you know, 53, 54, 55, you know, between 50 and 60%. Well, that's a huge spread, right? Yeah. So what we want to do is be able to identify that by the, and nail it down to the percentage point. And then how can we actually break that apart by product line and by service line? Because then you can really focus on which product lines are more profitable. And you could really look at your pricing and your costs. And, you know, what we do a lot of times is say, hey, if I can, how do I improve my margin by one or 2%? And that could be through pricing. That could be through how I cost my product or the, or how I purchase my product or my services or whatever I'm doing. If you're a $10 million business, 1% is $100,000 to the bottom line. That's a lot. Yep. That's, a lot yeah. of pro- that's a lot of additional profit to a, to a $10 million business. Two uh, yeah. percent is two hundred thousand. You know, so it's it's significant, and just giving visibility to owners, I think, opens up a lot of eyes. And then you have something to work on, right? You say, okay, hey, great, now let's work on this, and let's then measure the results and see what's happening. And you can make very quick impact for these businesses. And, yeah. and I know I'm speaking up your alley. I mean, I know you do. Exactly no, this is this is great. Things. I just wanted to let you talk because because <laughs> it was funny because I actually had written down that very thing that you said. Because I don't know how many times I have had worked with business owners that, that, hey, we're growing really good, but we don't have any money in the bank ever. The cash is always short. And then you do the exact same thing you said and said, well, look at your inventory as a percent of your revenue 12 months ago. And you grew a lot. Say you grew whatever, 25%, but your inventory grew by 50%. Right that's where your money is setting. Just like you said, it's either right. in materials or on the shelf and finished product. And yeah. And, uh, and if you're leveraging that, a line of credit, you're actually paying interest on that inventory that's sitting on the shelf. Right. So that's why managing inventory to a good level is, is so critical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We actually had a number of years ago. Now we had a, a, a client that, that liked to buy inventory. Mm-hmm. And the business was pretty profitable and it was, it it was very hard to slow that, that train down. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it is. And it's, it's tough because sometimes there's an opportunity cost, right? They want to have an inventory just in case X, Y, Z might happen. Or I know a lot of companies have inventory on their shelves right now because of the instability in the supply chain over the last few years. And that's not their fault either. So now's the time a lot of companies have excess inventory. What's the plan to 
uh, to bring that down. Yes. And you know, whether it's sell or liquidate or whatever it is, uh, to get that to the right level. So there's opportunity right now for these businesses that have extra inventory to actually generate, and they've survived mm-hmm. to generate, you know, some good cash because they've already paid for the product. And now they're going to get some revenue out of it if they can get that down at a good clip. Yeah, I was actually talking to somebody about that a, a couple of weeks ago. They were, they were, we are doing the same thing again. What's your revenue or your revenue, the percent of inventory co- that you're holding compared to your revenue? And it had gone up. The revenue, yeah. the inventory has gotten too high. And we were talking about, it was like, hey, you've got all these products and they cost you 20 bucks. Yeah, we normally sell them for $38. I said, why not sell them for 30? Yeah. Why not why not sell them for 29? Well, that's lower than we normally sell them. I said, but yeah, you're telling me you're short cash and and, and this is an item that you've got plenty of. Mm-hmm. Run a run a sale. Do something. Yeah. Like you said, turn that into cash and then you have cash to do the other things you want to do in the business. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, so, there's a lot that goes so into those decisions, obviously. And so, oh, yeah. Um, sometimes that's a, and then it's, hey, should we sell 30 or 31 or 32? And so a lot of that goes into that. Yeah. 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 So, as you, over the years now, one of the things that's really changed the way accounting works and, and cash management is the the amount of electronic transactions that we have anymore mm-hmm. i mean because when you started there were still a lot of paper checks going back and forth or right. a few wire transfers but a lot so really how has both on the the orders the invoicing the payments uh, the billing how has that really changed the way the accounting works and the speed of accounting yeah well it's it, it's significant um the biggest challenge, I think, in the in the small and mid-sized the business market that we're you know that really we're talking to is um, that is is getting the system set up in order to operate effectively, and so a lot of and it's so expensive too. Uh, they can be so expensive. So to implement an ERP, right? And so yeah, start with QuickBooks, and QuickBooks will do certain things. So then you have to bolt on other uh, systems to be able to do some of the things that you do. Um, the systems, you know, then maybe if you're in manufacturing, QuickBooks doesn't work very well at all for that. So you you bring in an ERP system. And uh, if it's set up the right way and you have the right processes and the team knows how to do it, it, it can be fantastic. Um, if it's not, then that's when you the team starts, you know, having the side Excel spreadsheets <clears throat> on the side uh, reconciling certain things and you can lose a lot of efficiency that way at a minimum I, in my opinion nobody should be cutting paper checks anymore um, there's there's very cheap simple um, solutions even for the smallest companies like a bill.com where it just automates the process if a check needs to be sent they'll send it through their process on your behalf um, yeah. and it, it enables the approval process is very easy easy as well to make sure it's everything's approved effectively um as far as um you know sit, just going back to your original question it the systems are fantastic but it really has to be set up effectively one of the first things that we do with all of our clients is we perform a an assessment of their 
accounting and financial environment. And that includes their systems and their technology. And so we map all of that out. And so when we do the assessment, we look at people, their processes, their technology, and the reporting infrastructure. And uh, the, we're talking about the technology piece right now. So we map out everything that they currently have, how it's being used, what's working, what's not, what's interfacing effectively and what's not. And then we come back with our thoughts on a recommendation. And now, obviously, if everybody had unlimited funds, what the recommendation may be different than you know the rest of us. Um, so yeah. we have to work within the parameters of where the company is and what's in their best interest now, and then what's you know something that we can strive for into the future. But at least we can put some quick wins in place to create some of those efficiencies. And so that's that's a critical piece of of what we really look at. Yeah, yeah, because you spot those problems right at the beginning or potential areas that you should address right away that give you the big bang for the buck or prevent right. big problems. Right. And, and move on and the most cost effective too. Right. Ah, yeah. I mean, awesome. what we're really trying to do is to, we want to make sure we define and develop the right solution for our clients. And that doesn't mean getting rid of their team. You know, technically we're an outsourced accounting and CFO advisory service. It means evaluating their team, layering in our resources where it makes sense, providing financial leadership uh, for their team. And, and building that plan through the assessment and then executing against that plan. What we don't want to do is just jump in and just start, you know, what I call in quotes, doing accounting because nobody really knows what that means or is and the bills start racking up and nobody knows what's happening. So build that plan, make sure you understand the environment and then execute. Yeah, yeah. great points, great points. I think so, accounting and IT are like the black holes of business, right? Like nobody understands. Yeah what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, in accounting, you understand, well, both of them really you, but you understand when they're not working. Right. And that's, that's, that's the point that, that everybody goes, Oh, there's a problem. It's not working when it's working. Right. No one even thinks about it. Right. And exactly. The, the thing that I really enjoy as, as I get to work with clients and we're working on, you know, improving their businesses and getting them running better and, and building value up to the, up to the, the exit point is some of the clarity. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Some of the clarity you can get by not just saying, Hey, we're, we're, we're sending out our bills like we should, mm -hmm. but getting to the points to where you're really going, okay, what's our, what okay what do we have in the zero to 30 day bucket what do we have in 30 to 60 do we have any over that and how does that look from it from last year or last week mm -hmm. or last month and as we grow how is that as a percentage of our overall sales so we really can understand the 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 kind of knowledge that gives us about are we really running the that part of our business better or not rather right. than going well you know we've got a million dollars outstanding so that's that's pretty good right well that right. million dollars could be all over the, the right. of age and and um it's just so much fun when you can really start to think about okay we're a growing business and we need cash and if we can take five days out of our cash cycle somehow that would be a tremendous amount of money that we have in the bank now to be able to, to fund the growth or whatever we're doing. Right. 
the you talk about financial clarity what are some of the things that and and this is a, an example that i see all the time that we love to do is 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 to around cash and around just the clarity you get from really understanding your financial information what are some of the things that you see your clients going aha moments after working with you a while or yeah. things that they say yeah so there's there's the the cash flow piece that you talked about or that you mentioned is critical right Sir, with professional service firms like ours for example it, it can be even it can be even easier right so it can be as much as hey you know why don't you take a deposit up front or why don't you take a bigger deposit up front or why don't we we invoice um twice a month instead of once a month and why don't we instead of making terms 30 days why don't we uh accept or or process via ach or credit card with shorter terms um and a credit card's another you know there's a fee associated with credit cards so be careful we always prefer ach mm -hmm. obviously but it's it's amazing the impact you can have on cash flow very quickly and a lot of business owners think well you know my my uh they feel hamstrung by their customers right my customers yeah. will never yeah. really do that well maybe start on new customers and see how they, they react, right? And what you what I found out over time at the beginning, 15 years ago when we started, I was very scared too. You know, we had 30 day, 30 day terms, everyone paid by check, collections always collect and everything. Um, and we've tightened that up and with how we've done that, with what we do now, we our cash flow improves significantly. And the cash flow of, our, of these service-based companies can improve significantly too. And you realize that Business owners, if they if they value your service and they they have built you build trust with them up front, the terms are not as big of a deal as we may think they are, and they're willing to do that because it may be it may be what's what's the market is right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think there's opportunity to be a little bit more aggressive with terms, contract terms with customers for cash flow. That's a big one, and and then the other the other piece is really having processes in place so that you have an actual AR process and you have an AP process and you know, you know, instead of trying to figure out who I'm going to pay every single day, I always recommend just first, let's make it once a week, unless we're in dire cash situation, we're trying to manage that daily or week or daily or hourly, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's make it once a week and let's have a process on how we pay and who we pay and what that means. Um, there's opportunities to extend some vendors and the others there's not. And yeah. that creates some some cash flow uh, as well. On the AR side, there has to be a process on invoicing and then on collections, and that mm -hmm. has to be reviewed on a consistent basis. And so when we when we talked about the assessment, we also flowchart each of those processes out and say, okay, here's what you're doing. Here's a best practice. With manufacturing businesses, it's a little bit different. They're typically buying the product well in advance of when they actually receive the cash from their customer, right? Mm -hmm. So then it's how do I tighten that up um, a little bit based on the timing of when I buy, what the terms are with my vendors, uh, what the terms are again with my customers. And then uh, most, what I would encourage, if you don't have a banking relationship, uh, get a good banking relationship, whether you need it or not right now, because there's a lot of mm -hmm. value, even in higher interest rate times, to leverage uh, that for growth. Um, mm -hmm. so, so that's, those are critical from a cash perspective. 
from a financial reporting perspective, I think it comes down to um, one, a budget in my mind is very important. A lot of people do a budget. Hey, we did a budget, throw it in the, throw it in the shelf or in the drawer and then you know never look at it again. Well, a budget mm-hmm. really sets expectations and comparing against that budget. And you talked about trends, right? Like really understanding the trends of your business over time based on what you thought it was gonna be is critical. And then you break it down into revenue and cost of goods sold and your margin we talked about before, and then all of your other costs, your, your SG&A or your mm-hmm. selling, your general and administrative. And we've, I've, we've talked a lot with a lot of clients. We applied this to ourselves this year as it relates to, you know, we call it weatherproofing your business because interest rates are going up. There's a lot of uncertainty in the market. There may be, uh, there's potential for a recession if we're not already in it. So what are you doing to prepare for that? Um, and what does that mean? And there's different ways that you can look at your business uh, from a revenue and a cost of goods sold, an inventory perspective, cash flow, and also those other expenses that can really make a big impact. Um, and the answer isn't just cut everything by 20%. You may want to adv- you may want to invest in some areas of your business because you can mm-hmm. take advantage of market share, but other areas there's opportunities for real cuts. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. That's true because there's weatherproofing your business. I like that term. I like that term because it's, it's there, there. I mean, cause you look at across the board, there's people that are having explosive growth right now. And there's people that are really struggling. It, mm-hmm. it just depends upon the, the industry and the, the kind of work they're doing. That's for sure. Right. The, the other thing I was wondering, and I've seen this, uh, seen this used a fair amount. How much do you think business owners should be using more periodic financial reports than their monthly financials? Yeah, uh, I'd say it depends. I think it's actually very important. So, well, I would say most companies should. Um, the best structure and consistent structure I've seen is, uh, number one, make sure you have a good monthly close process. And you can produce monthly a monthly financial package um, on a monthly basis, you know, in the earlier part of the month, right? So that's another thing you asked about. What do companies, where do you usually see challenges? Talk to companies when they haven't closed their books since for three or four months. I'm three yeah. or four months behind, right? So they have no data. They have no relevant current information. Yeah. So that's critical. Get a, we want to make sure we have a consistency in our monthly reporting package. We can then build that out. So it starts with your income statement or PL, your balance sheet. Want to make sure you have visibility in your cash flows. But then you start digging deeper into other areas of your business and really focusing on you know, breaking out revenue, breaking out revenue by product line and your, your cost of goods sold and your margins and um, your other expenses and, and, and the trends and what's happening with the trends of your business, right? So, so you, that has to be done or absolutely want to do that on a monthly basis. Now, throughout the month, as you mentioned, I think it's critical to get ongoing reporting so you can manage your business throughout the month. Because if today is July 1, uh, I may not, I won't get my July financials in best case scenario until August 5th uh, or through 10th. And in most Mm -hmm. companies, it's the later part of August. So now you have a 45 to 60 day window where you're not seeing what's going on, right? So that's where flash reports are critical, depending on your company, revenue, uh, 
you know, your system should be able to understand and, and, and provide you with daily snapshots or revenue reports. Um, Real-time reporting can be critical. We use um, Microsoft Power BI for several of our clients. Mm -hmm. We set them up on dashboarding that plugs into their existing systems um, and is able to get them the right reporting. For our business, we are people business. So every day we're looking at um, our utilization um, of our team, where they are against their forecast and their goal hours. Um, we're looking at our, our revenue trend throughout the month. What's happening? Are we trending in the right direction to hit our forecast? Because the last thing I want to do on uh, July 30th is say, oh, crap, you know, we're not going to hit our forecast and I can't do anything about it. But if I know now, then I can move forward. I can say, OK, you know, it looks like X, Y, Z is happening. Um, but there is a big need for some some additional support, maybe on this client over here, um, or you know, so and so is on vacation, so we know that their time is going to pick up, and so we know that we can manage that that will be fine over here. Um, that's just service based, but um, in a high volume retail or online business or manufacturing, I mean that those reports are critical to understand how you're, you know how you're trending that month uh, so that you're sure that you can hit the goals you hit and also understanding what your break even is, right? Hey, you know what? Mm -hmm. we're, we're 30% below what I thought we were going to be. Uh, we better, you know, really look at how we're going to conserve cash because in 30 to 60 days, we're going to have a cash crunch, right? Yeah. So let's start that now versus, you know, getting the financials 35 days from now and then saying, Oh crap, we missed our, forecast by 30%. Now what do we do? Yeah, that's a great point. Because if you've got one of those businesses where your cash cycle is something like that, where just say, I've got to pay for my product before I manufacture my product, and I ship my product, and then I have to wait, just say it's 45 days, mm -hmm. you could be 75 days out pretty easy. And that's where the hole is going to be. And I think that really... Yeah. That 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 correlation between what we did today and how it's going to hit me out here when the cash starts coming in or that effect up or down is, yeah. is something people miss a lot because they don't understand yeah. the cash cycle. Exactly. And that's why the accrual accounting is so critical. And I don't want to bore the audience by getting too detailed into accounting, but accrual in its simplest form, it matches the revenue you, you earn that month with the cost of the product or service that mm -hmm. you that you in, uh, incurred. And that gives you an idea of what your, your profitability was for that month and where you're trending. And so you say, oh no, you know, we actually weren't profitable or we were, um, you know, we, we missed our budget. And so we need, now we can visually see this, oh, we need to make some decisions to right size this. If you're on a cash basis where you're just recording revenue whenever you book the sale or whenever you invoice and you're just mm -hmm. paying, recording the cost when you buy the product, you may have recorded the cost over on the three months before. Yep. The current month, you know, maybe you're not buying a lot and it may look like you're very profitable, but the reality is, you know, you're probably going to, you know, you're going to see a decline in a, in a hit in your business in the next couple of months that you may not have seen otherwise. Yeah. That's a great point because that get, getting into the accrual based accounting is is a must. It's it's 
it because it gives you so much more like you we're talking about today clarity in mm. what you're really doing right so ah man so much good stuff so much good stuff i'm going through my questions here because you you um you mentioned fraud and you getting pulled in behind fraud mm -hmm. what are some of the most common types of fraud that you're seeing today so that if someone's yeah. listening today they could go huh maybe i should check yeah absolutely i think um the most common is if obviously if you have one person that has too much control in the accounting department one person that pays bills one person that invoices one person that does payroll and a lot of small businesses i mean that's what they have right because they can't afford to hire five people in accounting because there's no mm -hmm. segregation of you know and so they don't have what you call segregation of duties you don't have the right controls in place so if you have that, you, it's 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 critical to, to bring in somebody outside of accounting, um, in some capacity to provide a, a second level of review on what's going out. Uh, even even if it's the owner or the CEO or someone from the executive team to be a part of that is critical. Um, one thing you know where I've seen the worst significant fraud actually is in a in a manufacturing environment uh, where uh, the one individual had significant control over um, that one individual had significant control over the accounting function and everything that was entered into it. That person also had control over payroll and other inf and other information. Uh, the accounting was not uh, nobody really understood the accounting and the accounting was not important to the owner. And so what happens is a lot of times inventory can become a black hole, right? The inventory balance on within within the company. Um, you can massage the inventory balance to create whatever profitability you want if you're not tracking inventory appropriately, or if you're not doing account, you're not truing it mm -hmm. up. And so what ended up happening was uh, this individual uh, who subsequently actually uh, was, the, with the, the issue was caught by a third party, a, a bank audit of all things. Mm. Um, the individual actually ended up going to jail but what she, what the individual was doing was that she was taking, um, she was submitting payroll and she was claiming expense reimbursements through payroll to herself of significant dollar amounts, $10,000 a pay period, $20,000 a month. And, and the payroll, you know, looked the payroll journal and she was getting paid her salary. The payroll company never questioned it, which they probably should have. Uh, mm -hmm. The payroll, uh, her salary never really changed, but she was getting these basically was tax-free reimbursement, expense reimbursements for for with no support, no nothing, right? And um, because she controlled all the financials, she was able to put those costs you now in inventory or somewhere else that nobody could find or nobody could see. And um, she, she kept going along and, and she did that for a couple of years until ultimately um, she got caught. And that is one thing I will say is it's it's uh, in most cases the individual gets caught, um, but the damage it did to the company before that was substantial. Yeah, yeah, and I've seen that as well. It, there's there's I've seen a couple times. You know, obviously you see where the people get caught. There are very few times when you they do not figure out what happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's. 
That's good to know. But that is an interesting, that's, that is an interesting and innovative way of doing it. But I guess there's, there's a lot of different ways that people have done it. You know, I've, I've seen where people will set up fake suppliers and, and, you know, if you're controlling the buying and the, and the paying Uh of the, of suppliers, you can do that. Um, And then just if, you know, of course on the businesses that carry cash, it's a whole different ball, ball to deal with, but um, I do know, uh, I, I know some, an individual who also went to jail for exactly what you just said, creating fake suppliers and, and vendors and so on. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's definitely um, out there. Yeah. So what are some exciting things that you guys see that's happening in terms of accounting now? What are some new developments in the systems, the technology, the way people are doing yeah. things that really is, is fun? Yeah, it's, um, we want to be technology forward. We want to embrace technology. Um, the more efficiencies we can create in the, in the uh, what I call the commoditized accounting, which is reconciliations and data entry, um, the better, because then we can focus on the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, so we're really focused on doing that. We have a lot of ways to create significant efficiencies in, in that and make it cost effective. Um, the chat GPT thing that came out, I mean, that's unbelievable. I think there's going to, Actually, there's going to be a lot of good stuff that can be leveraged, even in accounting. Mm-hmm. Uh, financial statement trend analysis is one of them. Financial statement. Oh, yeah. uh, so, you know, dr- uh, documentation of process documentation uh, is another one. Um, so there's a lot of efficiencies that can be, ha- can be had uh, with leveraging technology. Um, we have uh, we try to leverage technology even for the, the simplest of companies from our reporting perspective and we have a we leverage a, a custom a reporting tool that syncs up with you know quickbooks and netsuite and other systems so that it spits out everything uh, associated with their financial statements on an ongoing you know uh, on a monthly basis mm-hmm. and then we will then go in and work through the what i call the mdna or the the yep. summary, the the trend analysis I talked about, and hopefully, mm-hmm. and what we're looking into is hopefully we can even get that you know pass that that done more efficiently and more effectively as well, so that uh, we can continue to create these efficiencies for our clients because um, accounting is looked at as a commodity in in a lot of ways. So how do we how do we how do we continue to drive value, and how do we create continue to create efficiencies in the areas that are the most commoditized. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's awesome. It's awesome talking to you today, Jason, because it's, it's, you, you guys are, are doing some cool stuff and, and really helping these businesses in places they, they don't realize it yet a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of times. So, um, we're, we're at time, time to wrap up here. So if people want to get a hold of you, get a hold of people at Signature Analytics, what's the, yeah. what's the best way to do that? Yeah, best way is our website, uh, signatureanalytics.com. Uh, okay. Real easy. You learn a lot of information about us there. I love talking to business owners. I'm happy to talk to anyone if they want to email me. Uh, okay. it, the email is jkruger at signatureanalytics.com. That's K- J-K-R-U-G-E-R at signatureanalytics.com. Um, and it, anyone can call me too, 858-228-5643. Happy to talk to anyone. Uh, we have uh, about 85 full-time employees as part of our team right now, um, and we're nice. really looking to, 
you know, continue to add value in that market, in that small, mid-sized business market. We work with companies all over the country. And um, if we can't help you, we, we're not going to try to fit a round peg in a square hole. And if I can, I can, if I can uh, introduce you to somebody who can, that, then I want to do that too. But I just love talking to business owners and, and hearing what they're going through and sharing any experience I can, can provide. Awesome, Jason. Thank you so much for, for stopping by. And I want to thank everyone for listening today. I, I was I was reticent on the comments and stuff, but thanks so much. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. And Jason, thanks so much for stopping by and, and sharing some of your, your knowledge and some of the things you're seeing, helping companies build better financial systems, really get that financial clarity that that helps them run a better business today. And, and ultimately, too, will help them create more valuable businesses well into the future. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you oh, so much, Damon. You bet. Well, hang out just for a minute. Then Jason and we'll talk. I want to say we're going to shut down for now and we'll be back.